Here we are on the fourth episode of the Whiskey Tango Foxtrot Podcast. Uh, this is your host, James Ford, and today I have with me Sergeant First Class Espinoza. She is an active duty uh, member with the United States Army. Um, how long have you spent in, in the Army so far? I am just over 16 and a half years. Six, okay. And you are active duty, right? <laughs> Let me... Yep, oh, yeah. Duty. yeah, okay. Um, so where did you, um, if, if, if it's like stuff you're not comfortable telling, you don't have to tell. Uh, you could just be honest about it. You know? um, where did you um, originally like enlist from? Where, where, do you, where do you come from? Los Angeles, believe it or not. Okay, okay. So the same state as me. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was from Mount Shasta, Reading area. So way up okay. north, way up north. Yeah. And what, um, huh? Oh, no, go ahead. Uh, what, what, um, what made you, uh, decide to, uh, to join the army? Like what, what, what prompted that? 9-11. 9-11? How uh, old, how yeah, old were you when 9-11 happened? 21 years old when that happened. Oh, wow. And I was in working, I just, I was tried out college in Connecticut and I moved back home yeah and was working in like around the hollywood area yeah. and i just remember my parents had my mom had just left for work my dad was actually in boston at the time and he was flying back to los angeles and i heard it over the radio early in the morning and i was i thought it was like i i thought it was uh the george orwell thing oh. it was like i thought it was something made up and yeah. I couldn't believe it. And then I turned on the TV and I'm like, oh my God, this is actually like really happening. And um, from then on, and my dad was, we were, we couldn't get to him because he was in Boston. And I think that's, you know, was a big deal for us. And uh, my mom drove home. And from then on out, like my, I, I was like, couldn't peel my eyes away from the TV. Yeah. And they started deploying soldiers in the army and <clears throat> coming from, Southern California, it's not like, especially LA, I never met a recruiter, like it's not, it wasn't a big thing for the military, it's not, it's not necessarily the most military friendly area, maybe things have changed now, but, um, and I just remember seeing that there was an army, I went straight to a recruiter, and I, you know, I felt like I had to do something, it was a call to service, I think there was a lot of us during that time that, especially at that age, <clears throat> where it was so, it affected us so much that... I just couldn't sit and watch anymore. I had to go. Yeah. So I went to the army and I walked into a recruiter's office and I said, send me to Afghanistan. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. That, that's, that's, man, that seems like a lot of, a lot of stories from the people that, are, you know, our age around that era. Um, that's, that's really, that's, that's actually interesting. Cause I had a similar, I had a similar story, but I went a different route about it. Um, so what did you, what was your initial, like, what was your, what MOS did you take on in the military? Initially, because I had no idea what I was doing, and I, um, the recruiter in the recruiting station was a reservist. And again, just me coming out the streets not knowing anything about the military, I just assumed it was all, like, active. I didn't even know about the reserves of National Guard at the time. Yeah. But, uh. And 
he was civil affairs specialist, and this is back when civil affairs was reserved. Like they had some civil affairs, but it was all like the SF guys were making up civil affairs, basically. Yeah. And their job is to um, rebuild the infrastructure after you go in and take over a country, basically. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went to took my D lab, and I scored high enough to pick whatever job I wanted. And he was like, "I want you to choose civil affairs." So I did. And I initially went in civil affairs, um, went to DLI for Chinese for a little bit, and I even got deployed. And um, after my first deployment while I was there, we we were in Baghdad in 2004, and we got hit a lot. So it ended up being that, you know, we kind of, there was a lot of trauma that was happening, and I had, like, I was quick to react. So the docs that were that were with us kind of, you know, like we'd go from fob to fob and I meet with some of them and they're like, look, would you, do you want to make contracts and like build women's centers and orphanages or do you want, like, we think you'd be a really good medic. Yeah. And so I came back home and immediately went back to recruiter and I, I'd been on active duty my whole time in the reserves. And so I went to the recruiter and I'm like, I want to be a medic now and I want to go, I want to do this forever. So I went active duty as a medic. Okay. And I've been a medic since. Well, that's awesome. That's medics are like, man, that's that's a rough, that's a tough job. That's I, I mean to to be fair, it's probably one of the hardest ones. Like it's, I think it's like underrated. In the in the army. For what? Civil affairs. Being or... a being a medic. Oh yeah, it's. It might be, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess being a medic, you don't look at it that way, but it is definitely, they're a tough time, but it's very fulfilling. Yeah. Um, so from there, how, how long were you a medic? And are you um, are you uh, allowed to tell us where you were stationed at or not on the podcast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I reclassed in 2005. Okay. And so I've been a medic since, so for 14 years now. Okay. Um, and going up 15, actually. Um, and then went straight to airborne school and went straight to Fort Bragg. Okay. So I was spent the last 14, 14 years, 14 and a half years on Fort Bragg. Yeah. And um, just now, two weeks ago, signed into Fort Hood, Texas. Yeah. So... Which is like people can't believe that I've spent my entire career. I've never PCS like moved from from one base to another. This is my first time. Yeah, yeah. I've been in for almost seventeen years. Yeah, it happens. It happens to people, you know. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's always it's always it's always funny like PCSing somewhere because then it's like it feels like a fresh start, but at the same time, it's also like oh now I gotta get used to a new area. You know, <laughs> like see what this place yeah. is all about too. Yeah, it could be yeah. like it could be like one of those like duty stations that everyone dreads going to. <laughs> Which is kind of funny, and I, I mean, I, I I'm sorry, if listener. This is my been my experience the last few weeks, and it's I think it's humorous, and I, obviously I'm not going to take anybody's like the way that they view Fort Hood. Yeah, that's their personal experience, not mine. Yeah, but everybody's been like. Oh, this place is a piece of shit. He's my friend. But you're going to love it. And, like, everybody's like, I hate it here, but you're going to love it. I hate it here, but you're going to love it. And I'm like, well, 
that doesn't make any sense to me, but <laughs> it sounds again, like it's it. like central Texas and there's so much to do. Whereas like Fort Bragg and it's kind of like, granted it's the army, the epicenter of the universe. If you ask anybody that's been stationed there for a decent amount of time. Yeah. At least, at least Dallas isn't too far away from you. So at least what? At least Dallas isn't too far away from you. There's, I've been, I already went down to Kima. Okay. And, and Houston. Yeah. Um, two weekends ago. And then um, I go to San Marcos pretty much every weekend now because I'm working at a skydiving facility there. Well, next time next and, time uh, you're down here by, by Houston, give me a holler because I'm, I'm in College Station now. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I give, was in College Station earlier this year at a George Bush Sr.'s birthday Oh, I was supposed to do a tandem with uh, Fox News, um, the Fox News correspondent. Yeah, but we were taking his grandkids on tandem. Was that was that the correspondent? The uh, um, is that the game? So there's there's a guy. He's a Fox News correspondent. He's above the amputee. He spent some time in the army too. Uh, it wasn't him. It was a female. Oh, it was a, it was a female. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. That conversation was very, that was cool. I liked it there. Yeah, it's, I mean, I was laid up. The Bush Library is pretty awesome. It's interesting here. It it gets boring living here, like, because I I live here now for for school, but it's kind of, kind of boring. And, like, I don't like driving to Austin or anywhere in that direction because it's all on country roads. (laughs) It's like, yeah. It's so, (laughs) they need to put a, a four lane a four-lane highway in between College Station and Austin just to make the traffic a little bit faster. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just found out that Toll Road 130, Yeah. their speed is 85. I've never seen anything like that. I, like, and I have a pretty heavy foot driving. <laughs> yes, it was. But I can't even go that fast. Like, I feel like an old grandma driving on that road. People are just, like, past me. I'm like, 85 miles an hour. That blows my mind. Yeah. I'm pretty sure... Because the the tires on my Jeep aren't like the the correct size, I'm pretty sure if I go anywhere above 95 or in that range, there's a risk of them coming off. <laughs> if I if I get on that toll road, I'm gonna be going definitely 80. <laughs> Anyways, um, so you spent how long did you spend over there at um, uh, where were you a medic at? What what base was it? At Fort Bragg. Fort Bragg. And then, um, how, so how long did you spend there? For uh, almost 15 years. Oh. I spent six years in oh, so you 82nd spent, okay. Airborne. Yeah. Is um, the is the Golden Knights assigned to the 82nd Airborne? or? No. No, and then, yeah, it's been nine, the last nine years on the Army Parachute Team, the Golden Knights. Okay, so the last nine they're years. A, yeah, they're a separate unit. They're not a part of, they're part of, uh, U.S. Army Recruiting Command now. Oh, that's cool. That's it. That's that's really interesting. Um, yeah. So, anyways, um, what what has life been like for you? Um, like, in you've spent this long, and I'm I'm assuming you're planning on retiring from the military too. Yeah. And yeah. I'm in, I've done my last enlistment, so I'm gonna stay until they tell me I have to leave. Yeah. Um, what, so what's, what, what's been the most memorable parts of being in the military so far? 
most memorable. I, you know what? All of it. I can't. There's no way to narrow it down. And I've, I'm again like, people have their own experiences, and I know, I know plenty of people that, you know, they did their three or four years and they got out, and some people use it for school or for you know a career in law enforcement or something like that, or they just hated it and they want to do nothing but talk crap about the military. Every my whole time in the military, I've loved from the crappiest days deployed or in the field or sitting, waiting for end of, you know, the close of business uh, formation while the first sergeant jawjacking with the platoon sergeants and wasting our time. Like, even those days were like, they're great days. The worst day in the Army is better than my best days, you know, as a civilian not experiencing the military. Yeah. Um, so earlier when when we were talking um, off the off the recording uh, off this recording, we you had mentioned that you you like if you stayed in the military, you wanted to do your job. Um, can you like explain like explain that again for us? Um. So recently, I got moved, the army decided that it's time for me to move on from Fort Bragg and from my tenure on the Golden Knights. Yeah. and go back to being a medic. And I came to Fort Hood, and originally they were going to send me to a unit, which was, it seemed like an amazing unit. Um, they're a support unit for Third Corps, which is a huge corps that has a lot of combat units that are or combat divisions in the middle of the country. Yeah. Um, but doing kind of like a staff job because of my rank. Yeah. And then I got switched in the middle of in-processing on a Fort Hood to a different unit, um, to 3rd Cav, which is a cavalry, mechanized cavalry unit. Mm -hmm. And um, while there, they're deciding to where they're going to put me as a senior, as as an E7 medic, and they're going to send me probably to one of the the mechanized battalions, which I'm happy. Um, I joined to do my job, and especially as a medic, I think with pretty much any job, like, you want to get your hands dirty. Like, your job is to be with soldiers, is to be there, is to be kind of, like, quote-unquote, in a suck. Yeah. I never see it as a suck. I always see it as, like, again, it's always been awesome. But I would lose my mind, and, like, if I got to a hospital, watch now they're going to send me to the hospital. But, like, just to, you know, I want to be, like, doing my job, like, actually out there in the dirt with soldiers doing that. That's, you know, that's why I joined. Yeah. As my captain. And I know like, you know, as you rank up in the military, you lose that. And it's part of the natural progression yeah. of leadership. And so I was kind of like coming back as an E7. I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to, I miss that, that yeah. uh, squad leader time and stuff like that. But hopefully I can, I can still get back to that. Yeah. Hopefully the army will let me have some more fun. That, that's, that time, like as you explained, like that 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 squad leader time, you know, that time with all your soldiers is like it's a, it's a really it's valuable, you know. Even though it can be stressful, it's also it's it's valuable. It's fun. It's it's reward. It's personal. It's personally rewarding. Um, and like you know that that's like you know, and this isn't about me, but that's one of the reasons why I got out is you know they were they put me with a bunch of. Um, I guess 
my my how I would call it is like <laughs> they put me with a bunch of desk jockeys when I was injured over there at Fort Sam Houston. <laughs> and yeah. I, I couldn't stand it, and I just got I ended up just taking my ticket out. Um, but anyways, so like if there was if there was one place where you could like choose to be at, um, like in the military currently, what where would you go? Like what would what would you what would you prefer? Where would you prefer to go? If I could choose to go anywhere in the military, career? yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think like I've I don't think I've exhausted all of my experiences yet to figure that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so See, I know that. Like, I, I, uh, again, I think I know of the one place I don't want to go, but every time I say that, put it out to the cosmos, it ends up happening. Yeah. They don't want to go work in a hospital. Just don't oh, say it anymore. Like terrible story. Yeah. Just don't say it anymore. Don't bring that karma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Don't even think it. <laughs> um, so, you you were on the, the Golden Knight team, and how, how did you... Um, end up on that team like explain it from you know from however you know the beginning to to whatever because i i did read a little bit um you know on you earlier you know so you were the first correct me if i'm wrong you were the first female tandem instructor in the military in the army no no no. um no definitely not that um okay i was the first female tandem instructor actively doing tan uh, to uh, assigned to the tandem section on the Golden Knights. We oh, have okay. two other females Golden Knights that have that were tandem instructors. And there's plenty of women. There's I think the United States Parachute Association has somewhere around a hundred women in yeah. the US that are tandem instructors. Yeah. Um, meaning that we put we strap people to us and we take them out of the plane with us. Yeah. But um and the army has had more, I'm sure. I I don't I didn't have done any research but um, I was the first one to be on the Golden Knights to actively be a tandem instructor on on our tandem section. Oh, okay. okay. That makes more sense. So, so explain. So the other two, they had the rating, but they didn't. They didn't like actively use it. They were doing other things on the Golden Knights. Yeah. So explain explain what that was like from like how you got on the Golden Knights and like what the experience was like being with them. Until up until you got just got PCS. Um. So I went to the army. Like, well, I'm sorry. I went when I joined. I knew I was going to go deploy or whatever, and I was like, "Well, I'm, I'm terrified of heights." And so I went airborne to face my fear, which never changed. I'm still. I'm. I think I'm worse. I'm more terrified of heights than I was before. But um, and when I was in Navy Second, I. The aid station I worked at, my PA was a skydiver, and he had skydived with. There's a couple other teams that were on Fort Bragg, the, the 82nd Airborne team, and the Black Daggers, and some other like Black Daggers was a special operations team. Mm-hmm. But he was friends with other skydivers, and during one of the assessment selection periods for the Golden Knights, where you you go to tryouts essentially. Yeah. They would our aid station when they were hurt, and they would bring the tryouts to us to see Scott, my PA, 
and I was his senior medic, and so I met, there were females that were trying out. Well, the next year, the girls started their own all-female competition team on the Golden Knights, and they would come see Scott at the A station, and they would always talk to me. And they're like, look, we think you'd be a really good fit on the Golden Knights. We, your personality is perfect. We can teach you how to skydive. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to skydive. I'm too afraid of heights. And at the time, I'm, a, I'm already a jump master, but that was different for me. Like, at, you know, at the time. And so for about a year, they kept talking to me. And then another time, finally, one of the girls came up, and she was like, you're coming to my house tonight. We're going to go through the ground course. Um, her boyfriend at the time was on the Black Daggers, and she was like, he, me and him are going to teach how to skydive. Mm-hmm. And it was like, she's like, you don't have a choice. And so I ended up, the story of me learning how to skydive is actually something that probably will piss a lot of, especially officers off because I was not supposed to be doing it um, at the time. But in any event, uh, so she taught me how to skydive and then I went and interviewed with the sergeant major for the team and um, the unit I was in, I I was in a male-coded spot in field artillery. And at at the time, you weren't allowed to have females. They hadn't opened it up to females with any MLS. Yeah. And so we got a new brigade commander and he was like, hey, 1st Battalion... 321st field artillery there's two females that are there one was a meteorologist on the scene and he's like you have to leave and I was supposed to go be a black hat at a fancy one school teaching jump masters how to be jump masters yeah. and I got a letter of acceptance to the golden knights and went over to the knights and that was October 20th 2010 was the day I signed in that is ex- that's that, that must have been like an exciting day for you it was, so, uh, not really. No. I think I was more nervous. Uh, when I had the opportunity, I had orders to go to advanced airborne school and be a jump master instructor, which is like a black hat. That yeah. is the pinnacle. If you're in the airborne community, that is the pinnacle of what you can do in your career. Like, okay. you strive for that. And as a jump master, I was like, I want, like, that is what, that's in my, you know, my sights right there. I can hit that. Yeah. Then I got a letter of acceptance to Golden Knights, and I'm like, wait, I am not even, I have 13 skydives, like, they are way above wherever I could be. Like, they're so far out of my league that it was, like, an unattainable assignment. Yeah. And I wasn't going to pick it, because it was so, like, that was not something that was, like, they're, like, you know, world champion jumping into freaking, you know, stadiums and stuff like that, and not like just way out of my league. Yeah. So I was actually going to go and be a black hat and the PA that I worked for at the time, he was like, no, he's like, you have to choose a golden Knights. If you choose, if you don't choose a golden Knights, he's like, I'm never going to talk to you again. Yeah. He's like you have no idea the opportunity you're passing up. Cause I had to choose my star majors. Like he's like, you have to leave. You have two assignments. What are you going to pick? Yeah. And, I mean, who knew that I would be sitting there mulling over being a black hat or a golden knight? Like, that's also something that never happens to anybody. Yeah. So, um, but it was because Scott was, like, pushing me. He was, like, he was he basically just took the orders off the table, and he's like, you're going to pick this. Yeah. And I did, and best decision I ever made. Yeah. What, so, what, what was, like, your... 
initial experiences like with the Golden Knights? Uh, initially, it was culture shock. Yeah. I was used to, if, if you outranked me by a day, I'd be standing at parade rest. You know, like, yeah. I got I got my ass smoked for not using a crosswalk one time as a staff sergeant, as a sergeant major. Oh my like, gosh. That was, that was, yeah. That was like the world I lived in. Like, it was very regimented. Yeah. It was hard. Like, I mean, you had to have, like, really tough, thick skin. Um, and it was a high up tempo for deployments, field time, air worn ops, stuff like that. Yeah. And then I went into operations, and I had no idea what a 4187 was, what, like, I, mean, I don't even think I filled out a leave form before, like, yeah. Yeah. let alone had to handle them. And they put me in training in schools in an operations section because they wanted me. I had to do three years. Like, I had to do my time in ops before I could go and try out and actually, like, start being, becoming a jumper. Yeah. Um, and I remember I would stand at parade rest to the first sergeant and the sergeant major. The sergeant major and the commander were both Green Berets. Yeah. And, like, you go to first name basis, and everybody's so relaxed and so cool. And here I am, like, walking in at parade rest, and I'm like, Roger Sergeant, negative, like, just very, you know, military. And I remember the Sergeant Major's like, he's like, if you stand at parade rest one more time, he's like, I will smoke you. <laughs> and I kind of stood there, and I'm like, I don't know, like, I literally don't know what to do with my hands right now. <laughs> yeah. <And> it, was, <laughs> it was like my reality had completely distorted. Yeah. Uh, but it, it didn't take too long to fall into it, and... The unit is so small, and the people in that unit, there's a, half of operations in our aviation attachment are civilians yeah. who are amazing. They've been there for, you know, careers, basically, and a lot of them are retired from the Golden Knights to stay there. Um, and then the jumpers, a lot of them have been there for 10-plus years, some close to 20 years. Yeah. And very, very tight, close-knit. Like, they have kids that grow up together. They all live in the same area of North Carolina, and like, it's it be, literally becomes a family. Yeah. Um, so it was easy to to kind of transition into that, and they took me in with open arms. Like yeah. it wasn't. There was definitely no like hatred towards me because I didn't learn how to skydive and pay the money to learn how to skydive. Like the team taught me that it wasn't. There wasn't any kind of that. Like. The competition between, we call everybody our teammates there, and you're literally a teammate, but the competition between teammates didn't exist. Like, it's, it's just one family, one team. Yeah. So, that, that's that's um, the kind of support been, network that you need, though. You know, everyone's got to be on yeah. a, a team. Um, yep. That's, that's amazing. That, what, so, next question. Um, what Do you remember your your first big uh, skydive with the Golden Knights, and what was it like? Oh, my first big skydive. Um, so after I went through tryouts or the Golden Knights assessment selection, mm-hmm. and I made it through, which that was grueling. That was basic. I, I call it basic training on crack. Yeah. Um, I went to our competition team. I was being groomed to be part of the female competition team. And I was lucky enough to be able to compete at the World Military Games in Solo, Indonesia. And so you compete for the Army, mm-hmm. but we're 
you wear, you know, red, white, and blue. It's like you're wearing a U.S., but you're the Army team. And <clears throat> I jumped. We were jumping, doing classic accuracy, which if anybody knows that, which is like kind of a an antiquated sport within skydiving, but um, you jump out of the whatever platform and then you land on a big tuffet, which is like a big, like a big blow up mattress type thing. Mm-hmm. And you're aiming for a tiny little dot that's maybe about 10 centimeters across. Yeah. And you're trying to hit that with any part of your body. Yeah. So there, the way that they had it set up was in a stadium. Mm-hmm. So in the center of the stadium, which a stadium alone is ridiculously hard parachuting because the wind side on it turns into like a toilet bowl wind pattern. Does it really? Toilet. I didn't. And, uh, I didn't even. That know I was that. jumping out of the back. Huh? I didn't even know that. Yeah, the winds go in. It's like think about a valley when you're in like a pretty steep valley. The wind can change directions and yeah, you know you might at the tip of the valley like you might have straight winds that can go from you know a single direction, but when you go into that bowl, it's like all circular and goes all over the place. Oh, that's nuts. Anyways. But jumped out of a helicopter. Yeah. Which they were speaking whatever Indonesian language. And in following the other girls in, and I had to hold up at the top, what we call the top of the stack. I was the last one out, so I was holding up in the wind over a major city in a country. If I landed out, I would have no idea, A, how to find my way back, or how to, like, like imagine landing in the middle of a city in. Indonesia, like, <laughs> yeah, but apparently, yeah. don't speak their language, and I have no idea where you're at. I mean, you could have like landed so, on top of a building for all you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know they can fit like five people on a motorcycle there, but I didn't want to try it out. No, I wouldn't want to try that out either. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was that was over there. What, what is, um, what's the most memorable, um, jump or skydive you've done with them uh that one was pretty memorable there was a few that i did there okay um and then i always say the one that um the first time i performed in front of my parents in san diego at the miramar air show yeah and i was narrating so when you narrate you're the first one on the plane and you usually bring in like the american flag or the pow mia flag Mm -hmm. and then uh, so you fly that in, and when you land, pick up a mic, and you narrate the rest of the show in front of, you know, however many thousands, tens of thousands of people are at the air show. Yeah. And so I got to do that. And then and, but at that air show, when you land, if you do the timing right, they have a big wall of fire that they explode, and it's, they got pyro, like, on the flight line. Yeah. You can feel the heat. Like, if you miss the, the timing on that, like... It'll definitely bump you around in a parachute because the heat comes off of it. Yeah. Uh, I, my parents, unfortunately, like, they weren't, they're not the biggest supporter of the Army at that particular air show because, I don't know, something about Marines not liking the Army. Yeah. Like, uh, but they they wouldn't let the family members have seats in the, um, like, the state, not the the bleachers. The bleachers cost money to sit in, and they wouldn't give us any tickets. So my parents were sitting on, like, a um, a jersey barrier of sorts, and they saw 
us land, but they couldn't hear anything yeah. either. And they saw one of our, our video guy came in really fast on a little parachute. My mom thought it was me and the whole time. She's like, oh my gosh, she's hurt because she's a mom and that's what moms do. Yeah. And I, I got out of that and I'm like, mom, did you hear me? Like I nailed that narration. I did so good. She was like, she was like, my dad's like, oh, she totally thought that you were hurt the whole time. I'm like, no, that was my, I was the one that came in with a flag. Yeah. But it was kind of funny. That was, that one was pretty memorable. Yeah. I mean, and then there's so many others that were in their own right. Yeah. That's cool. That That's really neat. Really memorable. Um, so like when, when, so I'm friends with a lot of like veterans and I, I know a few people that are still active, not very many. Um, you're one <laughs> of them. So like what, what, what's one thing that you, you would like to look, you would like to have happen when you actually retire? Like what, what's one thing that you, what's like a goal or anything that you would like to see when you retire? Like a, for the military or for myself? For yourself. For myself? Um, let me think. I guess, well, finishing my degree is huge. And I actually just, Fort, right, Fort Hood does this right, too, by the way. So props to Fort Hood for this. Yeah. But when you in process, they do a lot of, like, they do, I just had a command of a CG luncheon. The commanding general for third corps does this lunch, luncheon with all the, like, I guess every Wednesday with all the incoming soldiers. And um, they have different briefers, like, the um, exchange comes in, like, where people, you know, family housing comes in and, like, TRICARE, they do all these different talks, and the AUSA guys came in and they were talking, and they had mentioned that, you know, a lot of things that they fight for on Capitol Hill is, um, you know, they're fighting for the rights of the soldiers. They're, they're our speaker when they go up to, to Capitol Hill, and they, they've got issues. Like, one of them, they're like, you didn't know this, but they were trying to take away TRICARE. Yeah. Not TRICARE, uh, TF, the TA, Tuition Assistance. And so they were fighting to keep our right to have tuition assistance to get college because a lot of a lot of soldiers join at 17 they forego going to college to serve their country does that mean that they don't that they can't like i think that you deserve to have a a scholarship of sorts you should have some kind of benefit to to go to school because you gave the ultimate regardless if you didn't get injured or if you didn't you know something didn't happen to you you sign that document knowing that you're, you know, you're coming in a time of war. Like, there's a chance that you're going to die, and you voluntarily do that. Yeah. Like, nobody forced you to. So, you know, we, I think that that's deserving of having, like, college to, to be helped with. Yeah. So, and I thought that was kind of cool that, like, just knowing a little bit more about what US, uh, AUSA fights for. I mean, I, I wasn't a member before, surprisingly, because it's not really pushed at Fort Bragg or wasn't when I was there. But I was like, hell yeah, I'll freaking do this. Like, you're fighting for the rights of the soldier, regardless if it's not for me, but for the future soldiers. And yeah, yeah. take my money. But so with that said, finishing my degree, finally. You know, I started college before the Army, and I want to finish now. And I think after my experiences, you know, throughout deployment and and through my time, like, in leadership positions and non-leadership positions, skydiving or whatever, but um, 
knowing, like, now I know what I want to do and, like, getting out and having that focus and getting that degree and being able to, like, okay, well, the Army helped me get my degree and put me that much further ahead when I become a civilian and start that endeavor. And I'm going to be like, okay, veterans benefits, and, oh, by the way, I have a degree, too. Yeah. That I wouldn't have been able to afford on my own. Yeah. What, what, um, what are you trying to get your degree in? Um, right now I'm bachelor's of health. Okay. Science is what I'm, that's my, my major, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm at Arizona State. So Arizona State just started, they kind of, they're really pushing their online program. Yeah. And my dad went to the University of Arizona, so I'm like, I'm a sun devil now, dad. Yeah. Have a little competition against it, but, um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm doing their stuff, their online program right now. Yeah, okay. And just getting my my basic in that and I wanted to be a PA for a long time and I know I want to do the healthcare field. Yeah. I mean, you, you definitely, you know, you're in the healthcare field in the military that, you know, it kind of sort of makes sense to continue down that path. Um, it definitely won't, it definitely won't be the same, which is, you know, a bummer part about it, but it'll still be, you know, good. One, One thing I've learned, um, you know, is like, being in the education system, you know, I, I started my master's degree over here and there's some, there's some other veterans and stuff like that that are doing their master's or, or PhD and they're really cool people. But, um, it's like that, that connection with them as being, uh, uh, from the military or a veteran doesn't exist with them. And that's mm-hmm. something, that's something I've learned. I've, I've kind of like, figured a way how to connect people and I'm like trying to make sure that I stay connected with all these people that you know because somewhere down somewhere down the line a lot of them are going to be you know one of the biggest factors of you know veteran uh, um, I guess uh, like mental health issues is just loneliness it's just being lonely because you know they, I was just thinking that like that was exactly what was going through my head and I was just about to talk to you about yeah. <laughs> well, go ahead and let's, let's hear what you have to say about it. Well, that's what, um, there is, you know, we've, we've kind of touched upon it throughout this conversation, but there's a brotherhood that you have. Yeah. You know, and, it's, and you, you, uh, you create that bond, especially like with your soldiers or you as a soldier with your leader who you look up to and kind of like as a mentor um, but there's, there's that connection. Yeah. There's that connection that you get from basic training. Like, that's why I say, like, you can be in the suck, but you're in the suck together. Yeah. And a lot of guys, they deploy and they're like, oh, well, do you know why you're deployed? Do you know that there's no bad weapons of, or weapons of mass destruction? Like, you know, they can say that all they want, like, in the media, but you're deployed there to fight shoulder to shoulder with your brothers. Yeah. To protect them. Um, <clears throat> so when you get out, there's not that, people don't have that, like, you grow up, especially now with the new generations and everything is like, you know, handheld, you, people are changing their posture because they're looking at their phone so much, or they're on their computer, like, it's just, it's such a, um, not, I, don't, I don't even know the word I'm trying to look for, but, it's like they're, they're, you get out and you're like, everybody's out for themselves or nobody's paying attention. Like they're just in it for themselves and they're always like focused on their selves and, and very selfish. There's a lot of like and unhealthy relations. Like, yeah, go ahead. Oh no. 
I would say, like, you, you know, you lose that sense of brotherhood, that community, yeah. and you're kind of like, it's like kicking yourself, you're getting kicked out into the wolf, and you had all this, it's like you have your wolfie, you know? You got your wolfie on, or your smoking jacket, and you feel safe and comfortable, and you get out, and it's like you don't have that, and you could be the toughest dude with, you know, a hundred confirmed kills, and you still, you get out there, and you kind of, like, you're being stripped of that. Yeah. That's 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 actually huge because it's like here you are you spent your whole entire life with these probably some of the best Americans that this nation has ever produced and then you, you get put out in the world and it's like you know no one's functioning as a team like they did in the military at all and it's like it, mm-hmm. it just gets really lonely on, on people and I, I've kind of I kind of figured that out myself I experienced it and then I just I had to rewire my brain where I'm like, okay, I'm going to stay connected with as many veterans as I can. And that's, that was kind of another reason why I started this, this whole podcast too, is just to make sure I do that. So that there's some form where these normal, us normal people. And even though like, you know, some of us are secretly badasses, um, it's like, we're still, you know, there's a way for us to be connected somehow. And that's, that's something huge, you know. I'm glad you touched that because it's like that. That's like oh, it's it's such a huge factor with with people with military members getting out. It's like they don't know what to do, and then there's this loneliness factor, and you know the, the friendships and the bonds aren't the same with with people that that weren't in the military. Um, that's that's crazy. Um, where are you gonna go? Like when you retire, what where where do you think you're gonna like end up going? Are you gonna go back to California? Or uh, no, <laughs> uh, I love California. Will always I left it as a perfect image in my mind. And I'll keep it that way. <laughs> it's changed a lot since I, since I left there. Yeah. So I've got my memories, and I'll keep it. And my my siblings, I've got two brothers and a sister that still live there. My whole my dad's side of the family is all, but they're um they're California Native American Mexican like natives. That's where. So I can always go back, but um, I've actually had some friends that retired and they tried to move away from military communities. Yeah. And they've come back because they just can't. They, again, it's that they can't function. It's not the same. They don't. They don't feel that sense of home. So they'll come back to a community that has a large veteran group. Yeah. And so I am retiring and staying by Fort Bragg. Yeah. That's. And cool. So that's where I mean I I love it there. It's the, is, is good for me. I, I've already moved my parents out there. Oh, did they really? Yeah, they finally got used to it from Orange County, California. So they finally got used to it. But um, cost of living is great too. Like you cannot be living in North Carolina. Yeah, that, that's one state and, uh, I've thought about moving to. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we're kind of reaching the end, but I do have I do have the last question. Um, so. And this is this is the non-serious question. Would you prefer an alien invasion or a zombie apocalypse? <laughs> Dang. Well, so zombie apocalypse, alien invasion. They, if they're aliens, their weapons are so much more advanced than ours. Yeah, they're definitely. So, so I think I'd want a zombie apocalypse because, I mean, they're they're pretty. Uh, they they got the low key like just the. The growl, the scratch, and they can infect you. But if you can warp them off, I would, I would do the zombie. Okay, so 
a zombie apocalypse. Aliens might be able to be invisible. They got like death rays and shit. Yeah, they might have force fields, you know. Yeah. Will Will Smith probably isn't going to save us. <laughs> no. Will Smith is not going to save us. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get a cool Aerosmith song playing in the background as we're fighting them either. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think... <laughs> Uh, I don't think the men in black's gonna gonna come out. <laughs> um, no. So, so now now that we know that you prefer a zombie apocalypse, you got to take three things. You got you could take one of three things in there. You got a lighter, you got a hatchet, or you got a spear. Which are you taking? To fight the zombies. Yeah, to survive. To start off surviving. To survive. Dang. What yeah. do you think? forest fire <laughs> just get like a blow horn so they all like go into the mountains and then just start like a huge forest fire <laughs> you just gotta wait for the, for the Santa Ana winds to hit yeah. and all you gotta do is one, whole, one little lighter all of California burn down yeah. <laughs> it'll go down real fast so it'll go probably, down yeah. yeah probably we'll just go with lighter just to make fun I can't think of anything like cool to do with that, the hatchet and the spear once you throw the spear and you just threw it away. Like, now it's just gone. Yeah, and then at least, you know, at least, you know, you can, you can, spears are replaceable. You can make them, too, out of, like, sticks and wood. So, you know, it's like... Yeah, but... At least with a lighter, you can go in with something that keeps you warm and then start making sharp edges off of rocks with spears yeah. or something, you know? And then, like, maybe, maybe through rummaging around in someone's garage that, you know... You might find a hatchet, <laughs> so a lighter is probably your best bet. And what do you need? What do you need to get into the garage? You need light. There's right. no electricity because the zombies took over. You got to know where they're at. You, you got to be able to see. Yeah. Yes. And aren't zombies afraid of fire? I don't know. Are they? That That's on, a good question. Is that just on old Call of Duty zombie? I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> I watch. I, I've. This. This is weird. But I watch. I've. I've been watching. The Walking Dead since episode one, and to it's surprisingly it's still airing, even though like it seems like no one likes it. And on there, they're a lot they're not afraid of fire, so I don't know. I don't know if they are afraid of fire. Uh, that is a really good question, huh? Maybe I'm just thinking of uh, what's the Will Smith movie? That's a really good movie, the one where he's by himself. And oh he's yeah. Oh, I don't remember that movie. Um. I know what you're talking about, though. I love that movie too. It's a good That's movie. A, that was actually a really good movie. Were they like afraid of light and fire? Yeah, they're afraid. Yeah. Yeah, those were like scary. Those zombies were scary too, or whatever the heck. Yeah. They, I'm pretty sure they were zombies, but they were scary. And he was like trying to find a cure for them, like in yeah. in, in his garage or or I don't remember if that was someone he else's was, house. He was an army like scientist or doctor or something. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, that's, that's cool. That's, that's really awesome. I mean, so what, what's one thing that you would like, um, to tell our, the listeners, um, 
as far as like any recommendations that you think about, you know, joining if for people that are thinking about joining the military or um, people like, you know, thinking about going to uh, try to become airborne or, you know, what, what would, what's one thing that you would like our listeners to know about the, the military that not everyone would think about? Um, don't be afraid of it. Uh, I've talked to, luckily, like, one of the best experiences I've had being part of the, the Golden Knights is that I've gotten to travel the country and talk to a lot of high school students, because that's, you know, kind of their 17 to 24 is the age group we're looking for, and especially the females, because there's not a lot of female jumpers on Golden Knights, and I would always kind of grab the females, because they're so afraid to to ask questions when they're put in the setting of their whole class. You know, the, the boys always want to make fun of it, and the girls are just, like, shy. Yeah. Um, but don't don't be afraid of it. Don't think you can't do it. I went in. I couldn't even do a push-up. I played soccer and ice hockey. Like, I could run and run and run, but I couldn't do a push-up to save my life, but I learned. Yeah. And, like, um, and also have an open mind. Yeah. So, like, don't. You know, I also, because I joined in a weird, like, a lot of us at the time joined in a situation where we had no idea what we were doing. Yeah. We just wanted to go support the country. I based everything off of Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. So I thought that I was going to get, like, punched in basic. Like, I fully thought that it was, like, I was getting my ass kicked. Little did I know that they can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Maybe, um, maybe, I don't know. I think I think I think we did that to our fellow, uh, um, like other the the other guys in our in our basic training barracks when they got us in trouble in the middle of the night. We would. <laughs> I know we did that once. What is it? The sock party or the soap party? Yeah, a, a sock and soap part of our soap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we also one thing we did is to to one guy. Because he got caught taking a shower. I don't know what he was doing taking a shower at 2 o'clock in the morning. And the, the the freaking drill sergeant brought the garden hose up up to the... Uh, were we on the second floor? The third, I don't remember what floor we were on. But he got he brought the garden hose from outside. And it was... I, I, I was shocked it was that long. But I, I didn't think, you know... He brought it all the way up to where, wherever our floor was at. Or maybe they, maybe there was like a spout somewhere like in the hall, you know, downstairs. Yeah. I don't know. And he had us doing low crawls while he was flooding the hallway. Okay. Yeah, it was nuts. It was all because some guy decided to take a shower. So he he didn't. The next night he ended up regretting that, and then a week or two later, we knew we were having a locker inspection, but it was supposed to be a surprise, like. One of the one of the drills uh, instructors, uh, uh, drill sergeants, whatever you call them now, um, like kind of like gave us wind of it. And when this guy, it's, it's so wrong of us. He went to church or something, and we ended up flipping his entire locker over upside down while he was gone. And then when he came back, when they said when everyone came back, there was going to be. Uh, an inspection but they didn't tell us what kind and we assumed it was a locker inspection and it was a locker inspection he got back 
And they told him, you know, to open up his locker while the drill was there, and everything just came pouring out of it. It was the funniest. Th- I felt bad for the guy because the heat they they smoked him for hours in the grass. <laughs> I was like, all right, you got You kind of deserved it for taking a shower at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but yeah. Stories are great. The priceless, and like you can look back, like you can laugh about it. Yeah, it might have sucked for the time being, but like the next day, you're like, "Hey, remember when I had the last time? That was the funniest thing ever." <laughs> you're like, I heard so much because I got the shit smoked out of me, but that was epic. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's so true. Get it together. Yeah, exactly. You're doing it. You're doing everything together. Um, anyways, that's that's good. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of it. That's actually like yeah, one of awesome. the things that. I never really thought about too. It's just, I, I like, even me, I'd be afraid of it, but I'd still do it. You know? And that's, that's interesting. I think I'm going to actually carry that forward with me too. So that was, that was really cool. I don't even know, like, like when you go, you know, they always like, you go to basic or whatever. And they're like, don't volunteer for anything. Yeah. Like it's the first thing you hear. And you're like, okay, well don't, I volunteered for everything. And I had the best time. And it was like, I just, I was like, why not? Like, I'm, I'm here. Might as well just do everything I can. I won, like, I volunteered to do some, I was at Fort Jackson for basic. And we had to do, like, a um, soldier of the week for And I was the day leader for the, for the female. I can run really fast. So I was in a group. And the girl started to, like, she can run, so she's obviously, like, the best soldier we got. Yeah. I don't know why that correlates, but whatever. Yeah. So I was like, and I volunteered. So, um, and I was a platoon sergeant, and I went to the soldier of the week board, and then I ended up going to the next soldier of the week, and then I went to the battalion, or the soldier of the battalion, or whatever battalion. I went to Fort Jackson for AIT and basic training in one. And I got an award for it. And all I did, because I was bored, and instead of falling asleep during the classes, I read that. Yeah. The soldier's guide or whatever and I read it so much that I remembered it but <clears throat> but they say you know don't volunteer but the best opportunity to get the military is when you volunteer yeah the best chances A you look like people notice that if I get a soldier that's going to volunteer or put them, themselves out there or constantly always on it that soldier is going to be like I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that they're taken care of all the time yeah or like the first one if they volunteer and like Hey, you really want to do this? Guess what? We got one spot for everyone's cool. Yeah. Do you want to go? You're going. Yeah. Or ranger or whatever, like air, like anything cool. Yeah. And do it and do it while you're young because it sucks when you're older. Yeah, it does suck when you're older. <laughs> um, but that's another thing. Everybody said don't volunteer. Yeah. Fucking volunteer for everything. Yeah. Volun- Take advantage of it because this chance goes by once. Your life, you get one shot at it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You everything you've got, or you just let it fucking go by. Exactly. Well, that that's pretty much it for um, this uh, this uh, episode. Um, you know, I hope everyone enjoys listening to Sergeant First Class Espinoza. Um, and uh, you know, leave your comments on Instagram. You can email me. You can, you know, if you want to talk to her more, you can contact me on Instagram, and I'll I'll point you to her. Um, you know, if you know anyone that's in help or in need, um, any veterans out there that need a community or need someone to talk to, you can point them to me. Um, 
And that, that pretty much concludes it. And I'd, I'd like to remind our, our listeners that, you know, again, these uh, views represented in this podcast are our own and do not represent the U.S. Army or any, or any other organization. Um, and I appreciate you um, taking time uh, out of, you know, taking some time to, to talk to me and give me a call. Um, and it was really good hearing your voice. Yeah, it's, it'll be even cooler, you know, when I, when I actually get to see you. Um, now that you're even, now that you're closer to me. Um, uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. Come to San Marcos. Come to San Marcos. We'll take you on the fandom. Uh, you, that's another thing. If you guys, like, for especially for those having, like, and go skydive if you're if you're having a tough time. Yeah. I promise you take all of, all of that away. If you think my spine can handle it, I'll go with you in a heartbeat. We'll talk about it offline. All right, all right, sure. all right, all right. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. All right, uh, I'll talk to you later. All right, thanks, Jay. All right, bye. All right, bye.